Disrupting Japan, Episode 23. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening. Far too many people associate startups with cool technology and associate innovation with high tech solutions. But sometimes, good business is low tech and boring at first glance. In fact, I think the more exciting and fun an idea seems at first, the less chance it has to make real money. There's a lot of value to add and a lot of money to be made by solving simple, boring, but highly irritating problems that people face every day. Hiroki Kudo has just such a business in Marybiz. Fundamentally, and we'll get into the subtleties in the interview, Marybiz's customers send them a box of receipts by post. And Marybiz scans them and enters the data into Excel. Low tech. Now, you'll hear my skepticism, hopefully polite skepticism, early in the interview about the viability of this approach. But as the interview progresses, you'll begin to understand the series of situations and decisions that led Hero to this strategy. Hero and I talked in an open office, so you'll hear a bit of background noise as people come and go. And you'll hear some laughter in the background after a comment I made about Japanese corporate innovation. But it's a great discussion, and I think you'll enjoy it. So I'm sitting here with Hiroki Kudo of Marybiz. You started this in 2011, and it's a crowdsourced bookkeeping service. You can explain it much better than me, and also、mm-hmm. kind of clear up the difference between online bookkeeping and、mm-hmm. online accounting. So, I started like, bookkeeping,、uh, this crowdsourcing bookkeeping service in 2011,、uh, originally because I had trouble doing bookkeeping. So, it was my own pain. So, I kind of looked at services such as Odisk, but、mm-hmm. they didn't have any Japanese. That, at that time, they had Lancers and Crowdworks. So, I started looking into those kind of、uh, crowdsourcing、uh, services to kind of help my own needs. That's kind of where I started, and、uh, I helped a few friends. But to clear it up,、yeah. so the difference between bookkeeping and、yeah. accounting, because there's a lot of online finance applications、yeah. that、mm-hmm. people say are、mm-hmm. accounting, but、mm-hmm. Marybiz is a much more focused product,、mm-hmm. from what I understand.、Yeah. We do the very basics. We get the receipts, like invoices and such, such, and input that. Also, other things, and they get out POBS also.、Uh, so, all the financial statements and also tax related、um, documents. Actually, the, the original version of your,、mm-hmm. your product was really、mm-hmm. uh, old school、mm-hmm. technology wise,、mm-hmm. right?、Yeah. Your customers basically、mm-hmm. mailed you、yeah. a bunch of receipts,、mm-hmm. you sorted them out、mm-hmm. and put them in Excel、mm-hmm. and emailed the files back to them. Yeah, yeah. You know that very well, yeah. And when was that? That was 2012? Around that time, yes.、Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like a minimum viable product,、mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a really. Solid one. Why did that level appeal to the Japanese customers? That, that simplicity? A lot of people asking tax accountants and using software, they didn't have the basic accounting knowledge and skills to actually do that. You, you didn't even have a, a web application until、mm-hmm. last year, right? Yes, yes.、Mm-hmm. Did you feel any pressure in those three years? Were your customers saying, go to the web,、mm-hmm. or were they saying, no, this is exactly what、mm-hmm. we want?、Mm-hmm. Take our receipts, send us Excel.、Mm-hmm. So, a lot of users ask a lot of requests.、Sure. So, we really want to narrow down on what really burning needs, what the pain points were. So, I didn't want to develop something right away because I was sure we'll get it wrong. 
and try to figure out the operation, actually what the business is, mm-hmm. and like uh, what we really need to do, what the pain points are. Then we start, you know, building that into a system. There are a lot of options out there mm-hmm. for uh, receipt reporting mm-hmm. and management, mm-hmm. where the employees will take a picture of the receipt on mm-hmm. a mobile phone, mm-hmm. and everything gets uploaded in real time. Mm-hmm. Have the Japanese customers been anxious to use tools like that, or do、mm. they want to stay with their existing workflow? So, for companies who are established and actually have a system or an operation already inbuilted, they tend to want to stick to that. So,、right. there's a huge switching costs involved. But for a lot of small enterprises, they tend to have no system. Very messy. There's somebody, a kind of assistant, who comes like maybe one. You know, two times a week or something that takes care of these receipts, invoices, and etc. Now, I mean, accounting and bookkeeping; th- these are functions where you don't want to、mm-hmm. necessarily be innovative or creative. <laughs> <laughs> creative bookkeeping is not a—it's not a good thing. Do you see Japan changing mm-hmm. that workflow in the future, or、mm-hmm. do you think that the、mm-hmm. new technologies,、mm-hmm. the mobile phones,、mm-hmm. the、mm-hmm. the fact that everyone has a web browser?、Mm-hmm. Do you think that will change the workflow? This is a cost-centered function,、yeah. so people tend to like think of that later. Although the technology is ready, although there's services ready, it's going to take a bit more time. But one thing that is like an advantage for us is that the law is slowly changing. In Japan law, you were to keep receipts for like seven years, right? And like in paper, but the law has changed it now that it. You can have that as a kind of digital format. It sounds like these are very small incremental changes.、Mm-hmm. Do you think there are going to be any really big changes in this space in Japan,、mm-hmm. or do you think it's going to be very、mm-hmm. a lot of small、mm-hmm. incremental changes going、mm-hmm. forward? So we want to dramatically change this area. Right now, we're doing it very、uh, hands-on using crowdsource,、right. uh, labor-intensive in a sense.、Uh, but right now, we have the developers preparing to use artificial intelligence and machine learning. So everything will be instantly, automatically done. So, what does the、mm. the machine learning do? Is it just recognizing the receipts? Is it sorting、mm. them into the proper categories?、Mm-hmm. Having the scanned image, it recognizes which which type. Like, is it this from a taxi company? Is this from a convenience store? Then it kind of reads、uh, where is the date, where is the total amount, what like is the item, and then as you mentioned, it kind of translates that into categories. Let's see you personally. Before you started Mary Biz, you've、mm-hmm. worked for some pretty big companies. You worked for IBM、mm-hmm. and Gree too, right?、Yes. Mm-hmm. You also worked at a Rocket Internet、mm-hmm. company briefly.、Mm-hmm. What what was that company? It was Locondo. It was e-commerce. E-commerce, yes.、Right. We sold shoes, and now we they sell like all fashion goods.、Yeah. Now that that company had a tremendous amount of turnover. <laughs> a lot of people came in. A lot of people left very quickly.、Mm-hmm. What was your experience there? Why did you、mm-hmm. well? Why did you leave so so soon? Um, originally, when I joined Locondo.jp, I was contacted by Oliver,、um, who runs、uh, together with his brothers Rocket Internet.、Um, they came first with Groupon, which I was not in- interested, in,、uh, so I kind of helped advise him. But the second time was involved with service Locondo.jp. That was a Zappos model,、mm-hmm. and it was very oriented around service, which I was very interested in. I was wanting to understand, like, how could you improve service in a already very Service savvy co-、uh, country in Japan, right, yeah. Japan. So that was my huge interest, and therefore I joined. Why I left? They they were very demanding around the financials,、um, so they wanted high revenue for the very first year. 
So they started to discount the uh, products and etc. And they weren't that focused anymore on customer satisfaction. So that uh, kind of wasn't what I wanted to do. Uh, thus, I left. Was the original focus on customer satisfaction just a mm-hmm. marketing position? Or was it something that the management kind of changed priorities? It was change of priorities. Everybody originally wanted to do, you know, was related to customer service. We decided on which distribution logistic company that we would use based on that criteria. Okay. But we found out that uh, the, the numbers uh, weren't, you know, going to reach what was required from Rocket Internet. So we had to kind of, everybody had to switch. I think in the last 10 years, Japan has become a lot more friendly Mm -hmm. towards foreign startups, well, foreign companies in general. Mm -hmm. What kind of firms do you think should be looking at the Japanese market? What kind of companies do really well here? Consumer business is very crowded, and they have their very, the tastes of like people differ from country to country. Thus, I think it's very competitive. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies who are actually B2B could actually do great success if they just understand the business behaviors. I love, like, what sort of behaviors? For example, like, how the decision is made. Like, for some traditional companies, like, decisions process takes so much long time, you have to be very patient, and you have to have that, understand that lead time. Sure, yeah, the sales cycle in Japan is much, much longer Mm -hmm. than it is uh, anywhere else I've done business. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. so as long as you understand that, and, like, you understand each individual's kind of, you know, uh, incentive around why he, she is, you know, in that role, Uh, It makes it much easier, and there's a lot of personal relationships involved. Well, I think that's true. I think Mm. that is one of the things that many Mm -hmm. foreigners coming into Japan to Mm -hmm. do business are surprised at. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of personal relationships, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the sales, Mm -hmm. in fact, most of the selling happens Mm -hmm. after the meeting, Mm -hmm. outside the meeting, when Mm -hmm. you're not actually there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talking about Japan becoming more and more friendly for foreigners, uh, Mm -hmm. a little earlier we were talking about Mm -hmm. your own engineering staff Mm -hmm. and that you're recruiting engineers from all over the world now. Mm -hmm. How is that working out? And Mm -hmm. what what kind of led you to that decision? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's currently as a local service. But we have an ambition to, you know, move to the whole global arena. Okay. So thus it makes a lot of sense to have, you know, a very diversified uh, team. Uh, Unfortunately, because we do uh, business only in Japan, is that not many people uh, from outside of Japan would kind of fit on the um, business side. But on the engineering, like, uh, system developing side, it's much, much more easier to have, like, a wonderful developers. Well, it's a big step for the mm-hmm. the first one or two <laughs> that that have to come in and maybe don't speak Japanese that well. Mm-hmm. Our team is not like completely English fluent, uh, but we want. I wanted to kind of see like as the engineers, two engineers, like would they work together well or not? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I've I found that too. My mm-hmm. own experience, engineering staff. If you're working with people who might speak a little bit of English as their second language, mm-hmm. it's it's much easier than trying to manage a multilingual sales staff, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Engineers in general, they can draw things. They can, you know. So it's much more easier uh, yeah. to talk about. And the code is universal. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone so. understands the same mm-hmm. code. Mm-hmm. You've been involved with quite a few different aspects of startups and market entry mm-hmm. and open innovation. Mm-hmm. And at one point, you ran... Um, mm-hmm. Some, some entrepreneurial boot camps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Was that worthwhile, do you mm-hmm. think? Actually, I like to do that more. Yeah. Just that, like I'm kind of really 
have my hands full yeah. <laughs>、uh, with my own business at the moment. Japan, the ecosystem for like entrepreneurship、uh, is still very young. So I, and I'm sure a lot of other people, want to have this ecosystem more larger、right. and have a lot of more people involved. Having like boot camps and like events related to that,、um, I'm hoping that we can generate this kind of momentum going forward. In your experience, the people who participated in the boot camps here、mm. did many of them go on to start companies or start projects? I haven't kept track of everybody,、uh, <laughs> but yes, I know some of the people who actually have done their entrepreneurship and they go on with their projects. Great. And with some people, for some people who haven't done their own projects, some have actually joined other people's projects. In total, like、uh, we, I think we have, this, you know, developed some strong interest. Well, I think that is a good point, and I think that one of the most important aspects of the the boot camps、mm. or the training programs is connecting people with with、mm. similar interests.、Mm. And so, like you say, even if they don't start their own,、mm. or、mm-hmm. they might join, or they、mm. might.、Mm. Stay friends and come up with a completely new idea、mm-hmm. in several months,、mm-hmm. and that that's really valuable.、Mm-hmm. We want a lot of people kind of involved so they can help like each element because startups are tough financially and you know psychologically a lot of ba- you know hurdles to go over. So we need a community to you know a friendly community to support that. I, I agree completely,、mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting watching this community develop.、Mm-hmm. Part of it's developing around these boot camps.、Mm-hmm. Part of it's developing around accelerators and incubators.、Mm-hmm. A lot of it's developing around、mm-hmm. the venture capitalists here.、Mm-hmm. Where, where, where do you see as the core today, or where should it be? So, like I started, I joined Locondo.jp. I was, you know, related to the project that was not my own, but so I experienced how it would work. So I'm guessing like a lot of people would join like you know tech companies, startups, and kind of experience how it is, get to know how the process is, rough and all that.、Um, but it kind of gives you to give you a reality of like how it works, and the reality usually is not as harsh as people would imagine. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go completely broke. I'm going to be you know on the streets. <laughs> that usually doesn't happen. No, not so, usually. <laughs> <laughs> and that will kind of reduce the、uh, pressure and you know the stress and the、uh, of actually going to the sur- first step. The more exposure people have、mm-hmm. to to real people doing it,、mm-hmm. the less scary it seems.、Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's role models. Yeah, you could say、mean. that. Yes.、Mm-hmm. Like, the, for example, if you have a family member who is an entrepreneur, I think it's like one of the options. Like, oh, should I go to a big corporate or should I do my own business? It's you know very simple. You know very. Kind of open option, but for people who haven't had any friends or family members like have done entrepreneurship, it's like whoa, scary thing. Like what what, what happens? Like they have no idea. When you set off in your、mm-hmm. your current career path, for、mm-hmm. like when you left IBM,、mm-hmm. were your friends and family supportive of that,、mm-hmm. or did they think you were crazy to leave such such a great company and、mm-hmm. and do something risky? So after IBM, actually joined a consulting firm. So that was like small steps going to more of management side. Okay. And then like I started to consult、uh, startups, and so I was taking like like baby steps toward that, and kind of touching the water, trying to figure out like you know is this for me not? I'm I was kind of scared at the start. Sure.、Uh, But through the experience, like you, you kind of realize that it's not going to kill you. <laughs> At worst case scenario, like you, know, you can probably fall back to go join another company. Just that you need to avoid like, you know, these killer kind of risks, such as you know having debt involved with your own personal. That's something that's actually changed recently because、mm-hmm. up until 
10 years ago, mm-hmm. pure mm-hmm. equity financing mm-hmm. was very unusual. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the founder would be expected to like mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. sign for the mm-hmm. loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll be personally liable. For yeah. The, yeah loan. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's one of the, one of the reasons the, the ideas of risk have shifted. Mm-hmm. If you were like an old company, like if you had a loan and your business unfortunately didn't work out, like you wouldn't be able to do your second you know, startup. You'll be on blacklisted. You'll be completely personally bankrupt. Well, this, this is interesting because mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. and among mm-hmm. Japanese entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. this whole idea of, you know, fail fast, fail forward, mm-hmm. you know, there's no shame in failure. You mm-hmm. learn from it. Mm-hmm. I, I think people are not just saying it, but really believing it. Mm-hmm. And there's no shame in failing something you've tried hard at. Mm-hmm. But that's among the mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. founders in Japan. Do you think that's starting to change tw- among normal people? <laughs> <laughs> so we're not normal. I we're guess. not normal now. <laughs> Slowly but surely, yes. So now a lot of corporates are interested in this domain because they found out themselves that they're not very innovative and they need, we need to kind of get that kind of power, these ideas, these risk takers involved in their kind of organizations for them themselves to revive. Going into the community, touching and like experiencing, seeing people actually do that kind of makes them change their mind, makes them understand that, you know, hey, these people may look crazy and they maybe are, but they're, you know, the same kind of people, human, and they're doing their best. It's not that they really want to fail and like it's acceptable and they will start again. Are they changing the behavior? Because what what I've seen is a lot of the the open innovation programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different companies have different levels of sincerity, Mm -hmm. but it it seems to be Mm -hmm. the desire for the company is is Mm -hmm. like, okay, go out and find me some innovation. (laughs) Find me some clever, creative, Uh crazy ideas that we can use. Uh uh But are Mm -hmm. large companies starting to hire Mm -hmm. mid-career professionals? Are are they changing the way Mm -hmm. they view failure internally, do you think? I don't think that's happening yet. Yeah. They don't understand innovation yet that well. It's like, you know, this kind of magic thing, you know, oh, just find this idea. The idea will work itself out. As the corporate gets bigger and, you know, is away, further away, like historically from its origins, uh, it probably gets, you know, more difficult and difficult to really understand that. Well, I guess a lot of it we're just going to have to wait and see. Mm. If today they're, they're studying this, <laughs> you know, maybe in a few years they'll say, okay, now we've, we mm-hmm. understand it. We're going to try to adapt. But I hope, like, you know, uh, you know, large corporates understand it as well. But, like, as startups, we, as the disruptive ones, uh, kind of force the environment to change so that they have to accept that. And the only way to kind of survive is to adapt, you know, as quickly as possible to the environment. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's... And I, I've made this point mm-hmm. <laughs> in past shows as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm thing that so many people forget is that Japanese large companies used to be incredibly innovative mm-hmm. in, in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, they were the engine of the world's mm-hmm. disruptive innovation. Mm-hmm. And then you know, things changed. <laughs> 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 well, we talked a bit about how large Japanese companies view startups. Mm-hmm. And, and you said that, that uh, Japanese people thinking of starting a company shouldn't be too afraid of, of mm. failing and it's not really the end of the world. <laughs> they, they won't have debt for their, their mm. entire life if mm. they fail. Mm-hmm. But what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions that Japanese have about startups or about running a company? So there's some exceptions, of course. Right. Um, you know, you start an app and it just, you know, shoots and like, you know, everything's like 
fancy and happy, <laughs> and within like few months you sell it with like you know million billion. Um, that's a very rare yeah. situation. <laughs> and usually, you know, you start something, it doesn't receive any customers. You you kind of work on it again, and slowly but surely you start to get you know、uh, revenue and such. And at the same time, it's not that harsh as well. So there's a huge gap of like expectations. Oh, I'm going to be a millionaire like an instant, or I'm going to be like you know very brutally you know debt related. Like you know my family's going to hate me. Kind of there's like huge. <laughs> so <gap> . people <laughs> people tend to, to、uh, their vision tends to be only the extreme cases. Yes. Yes.、Uh-huh. Because they don't know the reality, they haven't、yeah. really seen somebody like close by. Well, I guess the extreme cases make the best stories. Uh huh. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's, that's why, why they're on the news, and that's why they they only know about those like right, extreme right. cases. Yes, that's、uh-huh. true. Just showing up for work every day and persistence isn't nearly as、mm-hmm. as interesting.、Mm-hmm. What is it you find most、mm-hmm. frustrating about being an entrepreneur? Frustrating. I I I see this new world. Like you know, it's it's going to happen. Like everything will be. Eventually,、um, run by deep learning, everything will be optimized. I see this future、um, that will reduce a lot of like workload in this kind of admin、uh, back office world. But kind of sharing this idea, like ninety percent, like ninety nine percent of people, we can't really understand that. They, it's probably my partially my fault of explaining it. Like, <laughs> well, not. It's sometimes very hard to convince them and get them excited about it. And like you know, okay, so what kind of, <laughs> yeah? It's hard to get people to understand what your your vision really is.、Mm-hmm. Yes, some people say, really, is that going to happen? Kind of difficult for them to actually see that as a realistic, like you know, ten years from now view. For what what kind of thing, for example? Like the way people do back office will be completely different. People around that jobs、uh, will be doing completely something different.、Um, how would be processed the accuracy? For、right. example, like right now, when we exchange contracts, we like you know we print it out, we stamp it, we send it. Before that, we do a lot of editing back and forth through emails. Like this is just a joke for like NDA or something that simple. It should be done like in five minutes. Right, right.、Can't、take more than that. But unfortunately, with this all this technology, we're still doing this very, like very labor intensive, very old fashioned way of doing business. This is interesting, and it, it seems almost like. A contradiction in your business right now. You're focused on、mm-hmm. optimizing the existing workflow,、mm-hmm, right?、Mm-hmm, yep. Making the painful part go away、mm-hmm. and not making the customer change anything,、mm-hmm, really.、Mm-hmm. But you're saying what, what's inevitable,、mm-hmm. what we're all going to see in the future、mm-hmm. is all of that workflow, all、mm-hmm. of the way of doing business is going to change, change dramatically. Yes.、Mm-hmm. So, how are you going to make sure Mary Biz is a part of that change? <laughs> And that you aren't like kicked out with the rest of the workflow.、Uh, pay real attention on that, of course. <laughs>、um, but、yeah. like, we want to be the、uh, innovation leader in that sense.、Um, we will kind of address the existing pain because that's the only pain that they can people、uh, understand.、Uh, if it's a want, people wave that away. So we still need to address the pain and move forward. But we're moving forward in the direction that will change business dramatically. So you're you're pushing change, but it's、mm-hmm. right now it's still a little too early. I guess so. Okay.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you the way you bootstrapped up、mm-hmm. Mary Biz. You、mm-hmm. did a lot of things the hard way,、mm-hmm. um, from using your own money early on、mm-hmm. to starting out with a very、mm-hmm. analog <laughs> process,、mm-hmm. and, and like I said, you got around to doing a、uh, mm-hmm. web enabled just last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So knowing what you know now,、mm-hmm. if you had to do things again,、mm-hmm. what would you do differently?、Mm-hmm. A lot of things that I actually know that's valuable, which is kind of hard. 
for other people to understand. Mm. But I have a huge asset around like knowledge around the behavior of my users, the customers. Having done that like more quicker or like jumping right away into the web, uh, I probably would not have accomplished that. G- getting you know the revenues ramping up more quickly, I might have done that if I found great engineers right away. But um, to kind of go and really understand people's behavior is going to kind of pay back right, eventually. Right. And that's why I'm kind of proud that I did it that way. What well, makes sense? So that part, mm. the, the deep dive into your mm. customer's behavior, you mm. wouldn't want to change that. Mm. But is there anything you would change? Or are you pretty happy with the mm-hmm. course you've taken? The kind of things that you know, I would do probably differently is now that I know people management part, um, I think is a huge issue uh, with like any kind of organization, of course. Right. Especially it plays a very huge role in a startup because startups, things change quite quickly and dramatically. So having a core team, having a very strong core team um, means a lot and is essential. Myself, I kind of reflect back and uh, have some regrets around like how I should, you know, manage our team, how I should, you know, act or perform as a leader. Uh, There's a lot of things that I have learned through the experience in a kind of hard way. This is something that a lot of CEOs say that this is... Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things they have to learn was is the management, the uh, mm-hmm. how to lead people. Mm-hmm. So, what what kind of things were the the hard lessons you had to learn? Although it kind of looks slowly, like I did like bit by bit, but like I did have like pressure, time pressure, and like you know financially there was pressure sure. too. I, I needed to find developers. Like I wanted to go to the web right away. Okay, I find this guy. He seems to know what he's doing. I get him involved. He does part of it and leaves. I mean, like he doesn't stick with the company. So. It's kind of like, you know, how to get people passionate, how to keep that up, uh, how to figure out if there's really match. Will, will he, she, you know, stick with the company? Is this a good, you know... So, so in that case, was mm-hmm. this someone that mm-hmm. um, you didn't have the judgment to realize that, oh, he's not a reliable person? Or was <laughs> it someone that you feel you didn't motivate him well enough to really stay and be excited about working for the company? Not blaming his part, but like more of a mix of not motivating him enough and not understanding whether there was a fit or not fit. So not taking the time to get the right person and the mm-hmm. right job. Mm-hmm. More like, you know, my kind of view of that was if the person had the skill set, uh, we just filled that in with that skill set. Ah, right. Yeah. So it, it, it seemed like a, mm-hmm. a jigsaw puzzle. Kind you of, find yeah. someone that's the right shape mm-hmm. and you put him in. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. functionality-wise, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's not... That's not, not the way it the is. Way. <laughs> so I learned, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think universally almost that is mm-hmm. some aspect of that mm-hmm. is the biggest challenge of almost every founder I've talked to, you know, learning how to mm-hmm. motivate people and, and lead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself as well. That was one of my biggest challenges. <laughs> okay, we talked before about the, the changing startup ecosystem here in Japan. If you could change one thing, if mm-hmm. I gave you a, a magic wand... Mm-hmm and said you could change one thing about Japanese society or economy or education that would most improve Japan for startups, what would it be? I think it has a lot to do with the mentality. People, they're risk-averse, families, oh, how would I look when I would join a startup and when I have a chance to join a big corporate, uh, will they think I'm a completely fool? What would happen even if like, I joined and it doesn't work out? People are really afraid of that. If the society, like, us, as the crazy people, we understand that, but like for the kind of normal people, like the majority of people, um, they think, still think that way. 
a lot of the younger students, talented students, uh, a lot of people tend to go to the larger corporates. It would be to have people be more comfortable with taking risks. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mm -hmm. think I got to agree with you on that. That mm -hmm. would be one of the most beneficial things that could be done. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to tell our listeners mm -hmm. um, about Mary Biz or about startups in Japan, mm -hmm. about leadership, about life in general? Mary Biz is going to change the way back office is done. We're going to innovate. We're going to be leaders innovating that area. But also, like, I want to, I'm very passionate in the startup world. I want to really support the ecosystem in Japan. So anybody who's interested in Japan, who wants to do a startup, um, please, you know, come on. You can contact me right away. Uh, we want, like, more people involved in this so that we can go on and making this a more larger and exciting community. Okay, that sounds great. Mm. And before the show airs, let's sit down. We'll put together some really mm. useful links, put them up on the website so mm. people can explore okay. and get mm. hooked up. Okay. So thanks for sitting down with me. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you very much. And we're back. In this environment of launch fast, iterate quickly, and pivot at the first sign of trouble, Hero's approach of going slow and building a deep relationship with an understanding of one's customers is an interesting one. Now, Hiroki knows he's walking a knife edge. He has positioned Mary Biz to be a turnkey, low-cost replacement for an existing workflow and achieves some success in that way. However, he also knows that the position leaves him very vulnerable to true disruption in the market. It leaves Mary Biz very vulnerable to technology that will eventually eliminate the need for that part of the workflow altogether. Mary Biz has the customer relationships and will have to be able to jump fast when the disruptive opportunity presents itself. And to his credit, Hero is vigilantly watching for that opportunity. I think we'll get some interesting feedback on this one. Please drop by disruptingjapan.com slash show23 and leave your thoughts and let us know if you think Hero and Mary Biz are behind the times or ahead of the curve. When you drop by, you'll find all the links and sites that Hero and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero. And thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.